This is the uh, fifth week in a six-week series called Unstuck, and this morning I'm going to speak directly to parents. And even though I'm speaking directly to parents, all of you in the room have something you can learn, whether you're a kid or a grandparent or a neighbor or an uncle or a roommate. There's something here for you, I believe, from God's Word. But parents, when we stop and think deeply about it, There's nothing in our life that's more important than raising these human beings that God gave us and helping them become followers of Jesus. Nothing more important. So we have things to learn, intentional thoughts to think, and actions to take as we're doing this. Raising our children in faith. We need to get unstuck from our past as parents So we can bring love, information, discipline, passion to our sons and daughters so that one day they will choose for themselves, choose for themselves to follow Jesus. Because following Jesus is an individual decision of each of us. And we all have individual decisions to make. This week on Wednesday, I speak at Chaos, our big junior high event. And one of the things I'm going to be saying to them is you have important decisions to make in your life. Nobody can make it for you. Your parents, your grandparents might pay five or $10,000 if they had a chance to make that decision for you, but they don't have that chance. You've got decisions that are yours. Okay, so how do we parent in this situation? Well, the first key verse I want to bring to you is from Proverbs. Proverbs is these pithy little sayings, and here it is, Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, what does that mean? It's kind of uh, pithy, but start children off in how they were made and what era or journey they're on. Start them off realizing that each of our kids is unique, each is special, each is weird, each of our kids is different. And if you have four kids, you don't get to raise them all the same. Why? Because each one is very different. It has different needs, different temperaments, different passions. And each one is in a different place where they are today. What a three-year-old needs and a 13-year-old needs are completely different. And some of you have three and 13-year-olds. And you know that parenting kids spread out like that is tough. So um, we just want to uh, bring some things to you this morning about their journey and who they are unique. And uh, the other verse, all of this Unstuck series, if you notice, is from uh, a chapter in Romans, Romans chapter 12. And so, parents, I want you to listen through it through that lens of being a parent. And uh, we've got it on the screen. Parents, be devoted to one another in the family, in love. Parents, honor one another above yourselves. In other words, put other people first in line. If you have a desire and they have a desire, lots of times it's better to give in to their desire. Never be lacking in zeal, zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So important. Parents, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality within the family and beyond the family. Parents, bless those who persecute you. Do you ever kids ever come home from school mean, frustrated? What's the human tendency? Give it back to them. What does the verse say? Bless those who persecute you and cause you trouble. 
Interesting. Bless those and do not curse back. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So, in one sentence, we're learning as a teaching team, we try to keep learning as teachers how to best help adults and a congregation grow. We're learning, what we're, one of the things we're learning in our teaching team right now is to put what we're trying to say in one sentence. So I just thought it'd be fun for me to tell you the one sentence, this is what I'm trying to say this morning. Here it is on the slide. God loves our children deeply. You got to know that. God loves our children deeply, more deeply than we do, actually. God loves our children deeply, and he gives parents an important role to play. And what do we do? We model our faith, and then we raise them without fear, according to who they are and where they are on their journey. What do we do? We understand God loves our kids deeply. We model our faith. And then we raise them without fear according to who they are, uniquely special, passions, gifts, and according to where they are on their journey. Wow. I visited a father whose son is spiritually going the wrong direction right now. And the son has announced it. I don't know that I believe in God. I don't know that I like church. I don't know that I'm going to go that way. You know what the father said to me? Best response I've had in quite a while. Dave, I'm not worried. He has a heavenly father who loves him more than I do. He has a heavenly father who has a plan. I just took a breath and said, this is refreshing. Now, you're still going to do everything you can. Why let fear run our lives? So God gives us courage, insight, love, patience. Kids grow up needing different things along the way, right? What a toddler needs and a middle schooler and a college kid need are completely different. I want to talk about that for just a minute. I want to talk about it out of my history. I've been a youth director for, you know, I've been actually... For a long time, I've been walking with kids spiritually in in the church setting and youth groups. Um, I've raised my own kids. And then here's a picture. I always do this. My nine grandkids from ages six to 14. I was at uh, four basketball games yesterday watching three of these kids play. Um, I'm the assistant coach, my wife and I, because their parents are the head coaches. So assistant coaches take their instructions from the head coach. I get all that. Uh, but I've been learning. And so let's talk about growing up for just a minute. Let's talk about toddlers, two, three, four, five-year-olds. Let's talk about them. What's the key question toddlers are asking? One of the key questions is, hey, who's in charge here? Right? Do you know a three-year-old who thinks they're in charge of the world? And they, (laughs) yes, some of you do. And they need their parents to draw a boundary and go, no, you're not in charge. The grown-ups are in charge around here. And why do kids need that? Because one day they have to submit to a heavenly father who's in charge. This is so important. And so toddlers, who's in charge? But, you know, spiritually, their great asset is what? Enthusiasm and joy for Jesus. I don't know if you ever get a chance to go back in where the two and three and four-year-olds worship God. I love it. Their eyes are about this big. And they're jumping up and down and clapping. And they're just so excited about Jesus. So what does a parent need to do with two, three, four? They need to draw boundaries and get excited with Jesus about them and plant little seeds of truth. 
right? So if you've got a toddler, draw those boundaries and then partner with them in their excitement and their enthusiasm. When they find out Jesus walked on the water, it's like, wow! When they find out Jesus fed 5,000 when he was dead in a grave and comes, they're just excited. Now, how about elementary school? There's a different phase. And a lot of you have elementary school people. The key question I think they have is how does stuff work? And where are the boundaries? How much time do I get to be on my phone or on my computer or screen time or what do I get to watch on TV? They still need boundaries. But they're trying to figure out how does stuff work? Uh, how does stuff work? I mean, how does the sun stay in the sky? How did the stars get up there? Where did the dinosaurs go? Was Jesus before or after the dinosaurs? Where is heaven? What's heaven like? What does it mean to be dead? Why do I like music? Why is my sister better at sports than I am? Why can't I win every time? Why don't we have hippopotamuses in Cedar Falls? I mean, there's all kinds of learning that elementary school kids want to do, need to do. And so in elementary school, and then in our church, by the way, our kids' ministry is pumping them full of facts and attitudes through sixth grade. Like, here's what Jesus did. Here's who he was. This is what Easter is. This is what Christmas is about. On and on and on. So what do they need from parents? They need parents who will take what they're learning in school and what they're learning in church and help them bring that together. Did Jesus come before or after the dinosaurs? Right? So one of your jobs is to not be afraid of what they're learning in school. Take those facts, take those attitudes, and bring them together with what the church, what the Bible teaches. Elementary school, learning spiritual facts and attitudes. So, so uh, you know, I've, I've, this is not the way to say it. It's not politically correct. But really, through sixth grade, we're like brainwashing the kids. It's like, Jesus, yes, 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 yes. Because we believe it so firmly. Then they get into middle school or junior high. What happens? It's a new era of growth, right? And so the key question is, how do I fit in here? I'm not just a sponge soaking up facts anymore. I want to know, we did this chaos trip uh, last weekend. To, I wasn't there. A ski uh, and shop overnight. You know what kids were asking, those middle school kids? Who am I going to sit by on the bus? Who am I going to ski with? Who am I going to eat with? Are any of my friends going? What do all those questions add up to? How do I fit in? That's what they ask when they go to school the first day. How am I going to fit in? That's what they ask when they're trying to figure out who's friends with who. How do I fit in? <coughs> Key question. We can't ignore it. It's a part of who they are. Um, so what do they need from adults? They need adults who will understand that and use, here's a new word now in middle school, negotiate. In, in grade school, you're like more telling facts and all that. In middle school, you have to learn this new skill as a parent, negotiate. You think you should be home at 10. I think you should be home at 7. How does 8.30 look? Uh, negotiate. I think you shouldn't talk to a man. You say to your daughter until you're 25. No, I think I should talk to a man right now. Well, you know, negotiate. They need adults who will listen and encourage the journey and, affir and affirm their identity. Uh, uh, who will uh, provide them places to ask honest questions. I jumped ahead. Provide them questions, places to... And we do this in chaos, our junior high ministry, 
right? We spend some time talking to them, and then what do we do? We put them in little groups, and we let them begin the process of figuring out who they are. Because middle school is when you, when you do that, when you start to figure out what do I believe, how do I fit in? How do I fit in? So you need to take a break, quit with the sermonettes, take a back, and go, what do you think? What do you think? Then they get to high school, right? And then in high school, suddenly, it changes from how do I fit in to who am I? Who am I? It's interesting. That's where they begin to say, okay, I know now I can fit in. I can fit with this group or that group or this group. I know my family and all that. But the real question starts hitting, who am I? Who am I? And they need space to try out things. By the way, in middle school, uh, one thing I forgot, junior hires, they like try out things on their parents. And you need to know this is coming. So they'll just have ideas, and they'll bring it home, and they'll go, hey, how about this, Mom? I think I want to be an astronaut. astronaut. Or I want to be the first woman president. Or I, wa- I want to uh, quit going to church. Or I want to whatever it is. They just try out things. And as parents, we need to just be calm about that. Oh, oh, try out things. Some of you middle schoolers are like elbowing your parents at this point. High school, who am I? What does faith look like in my life, and how do I serve? You've noticed in this church with high schoolers, we've started having them move from uh, uh, learning on Sunday morning to serving helping us park cars, or helping us in the booth, or helping us lead worship, or helping in the. Uh, toddlers. And the reason for that is high schoolers need to learn a place to serve, not just keep learning. Research is clear on that. And then in college, uh, you all remember this, many of you at this college age, you're asking the question, how do I get through the doors of adulthood? I know my driver's license says I'm this old, but I don't feel that old yet. I don't know how to get through the doors to adulthood. And uh, what do they need from their parents? They need adult-to-adult support. Adult-to-adult support at that point. Okay. So some of you have college students. That's a good thing, too. Uh, They need parents who will celebrate and affirm and give them advice when sought. You know, elementary, we're giving them free advice all the time. In college, we take one more step back and say, well, when you want my advice, ask for it. I'll be glad to give you the best I have. Uh, it's a different. So wherever they are in their journey, right? We need to know who they are as individuals, and then we need to know where they are on their journey. Uh, now, you have different ages of kids in your families. Parents, I'm speaking to you. Now, whatever age kid you have, you know, let's say you've got uh, two middle schoolers and an upper elementary, or you've got three toddlers. I talked to a dad in the back who's uh, got three toddlers, and his wife is waiting at home to have their fourth baby. Okay, now read it through. (laughs) Now, listen to this verse again, and listen to it through this. Parent of middle schoolers, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Parent of middle schoolers, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Parent of high schoolers, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. All right.
Um, I want to say some kind of miscellaneous things now that I think that are incredibly point, important as we're on this journey. And the first one is this. All families receive curveballs. You may think you know how raising your kids is going to go. It never goes that way. You may think you have a plan for the future. There are always curveballs coming. Every family, every single family in here will have curveballs thrown at it. Um, I asked my wife, Emily, uh, my daughter, Emily. <laughs> I asked my daughter, Emily, to um, help me make a video of uh, some of the curveballs that she's seen our family uh, handle. So uh, take a look at this video. So every family trying to do faith um, has curveballs thrown at them. Both the parents have curveballs thrown and the kids have curveballs thrown yes. at them. So that's sort of what we're going to share. Yes. Some of the curveballs our family had. Yes. Um, and starting like curveballs you had, I remember uh, some serious um, discussions you tried to make happen at our dinner table. Yes, when you were like in grade when school. When we were in grade school, high. yes, you would come and we'd be having a very fun dinner conversation. All Laughing. of a sudden, you'd, yes, you'd just throw out a serious conversation. And the only thing that happened is we would end up, the four of us kids would just end up heckling you. Yes. No serious Making discussion happened about faith or anything. Yeah, and sometimes you would start laughing so loudly you would even end up under the table. Right, yes. And all of that. So I, I remember the time I threw out the Bible. Oh, yeah. And I said, come on, let's have a discussion yeah. about what we think of this. Right. And all I could get out of you besides heckling was Ben saying, well, it's a dusty old book. Right. And we were memorizing scripture out of it. Yeah, you time. were with Awana, right. but you weren't going to bring no, that to our supper at that table. that night, yeah. yeah. So that's a curveball for you as a yep. dad, trying yep. to make serious it, discussion happen. It definitely happen. is. And like I threw out the topic of divorce because I oh, wanted right. to know where you guys were at in middle school. And yeah. Like, again, I think it was Ben said, well, Two out of every four marriages ends in divorce. So look around. Two of us are going to... Right. I didn't want to hear that. No, right. No. You don't want to hear that. That wasn't the no. discussion I wanted. Right. Okay. Um, another thing that happened uh, when I was at UNI, yep. um, I would come on the van. They would pick us up at UNI, bring us to the church. I'd be with all freshmen. I remember walking in one day and you were greeting all of the college kids. A van and full of... Uh, freshman girls. Yeah. Yep. And you'd say, hey, my name's Dave. Nice to meet you. And you went Where through everybody. And right. And then you came to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing there and for a moment, and then I stuck out my hand and say, hey, my name's Emily. It's nice to meet you. Yes. And you stuck your hand out and said, my name's Dave. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. And then we parted ways. Yep. You know, but that's just that like figuring out where faith works apart yeah. from you. Yes, and how am I going to be independent from right. my parents? Yeah, and it's important how you reacted in that moment. Yeah. Um, we've also had some more serious ones. Um, one hard, hard one that we don't talk about a lot is that um, me and mom um, didn't get along in high school. We had some really, really hard days, years, um, and that was very painful for us, for you, for really everybody. Right, hard to talk, hard to, hard talk. to agree, yeah. hard to feel like you're loving each other. Right, yeah. and um, you would try to come in, we'd sit, you know, me, you, mom in the living room, and you would try to do your counselor thing with us. Oh yeah, and that worked that well. never worked. It never worked. Total in fail. fact, the only thing I think you and mom agreed on during high school was what a bad counselor I was. Right, yes, that we could agree on, <laughs> nothing else. Um, and so that's hard. It I mean, hard. those were some hard years, that just a lot of hurt on both ends. Yeah. You know, I try to say to the church that our family has had hard times, yeah. but sometimes they don't hear me. I right. hope they're hearing yeah. from this, yeah. that there are curveballs. Yeah. And that just because you're a family of faith and everybody loves Jesus 
doesn't mean that you're always going to have all the right answers and always get along. There's curveballs right. that you just have to navigate along the way, right. and and a lot of pain sometimes. Right. And so, mom and me teach now that you ought to take your differences and celebrate them because yeah. it will be good. But right. when we were going through it, it was hard to do that. Right. I thought the world out there was hard, and so I wanted to make our home a resort. Yeah. Really, a resort. Right. A uh, place where you recreate and have fun and laugh. Mom thought the world out there is hard, so we ought to have some learning and training here. Right. So uh, it felt like mom's trying to make it a military academy. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a resort. Right. And like we just struggled with like that. Like finding that middle. Yeah, finding ground. the middle. Yeah. And it, it popped out sometimes in hilarious ways. Right. One was, um, this was mostly in high school, you know, we would have all of our kids' stuff everywhere, dishes, clothes, garbage yep. that we were Just in charge everywhere. of. Yep. Mom wanted us to be completely clean and take care of it. Yeah. But you were not supportive of that. Because you didn't want to come home at the end of the day and make, and make those it happen. And right. make that happen. So then what ended up happening is mom would gather everything up and go throw it in your closet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because she didn't want to nag us, right. but she needed something to do with it. Right. And in a way, to teach you, you guys and me. Yeah, and so, you. A <laughs> throw lesson. it in my closet. Right, and then like once a month, I think it was once a month. I think, think it, it was, was once right, a week. It was once a month. Uh, we would go sort it all out and yeah. put it away. Yeah. But that was, you know, that's sort of a funny way yeah. of what happened, but there were some painful things there that came out of that. There were some painful things, yeah. 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 Um, another... Yeah. Uh, curveball that I had um, was as a sophomore in high school um, when all of a sudden I realized that everything I believed about faith came from you and mom and not anything that I had decided for my own. And so really for that year of my life as a sophomore in high school, um, I really felt like I was faithless, like I had no faith. And that was a really scary chunk of time. But I remember um, doing a research paper. I had a, a semester long English research thing um, and I spent 60 hours researching my faith and the historical sort of evidence for it. But I remember sitting down with you and mom and, um, and telling you some of what I was doing. And I just remember you being very calm about it. Like you didn't, on one side, get super excited that I was doing this, or on the other side, get super worried that I needed to do it. You just gave me the space I needed to, to like look into this on my own. And I just think that calm, um, place of being, and when I had my curveball of faith, that you guys could be that calming place was so huge for me. Yeah. I just think uh, when the verse you're teaching on, it talks about having spiritual fervor, yes. like being all in, and I think being all in in your families with spiritual fervor is good, but just knowing there's going to be curveballs for the adults, for the kids, and then just knowing that's normal and that that's part of the process of doing faith as family. Yeah. I so agree, Emmy. Thank you so much ah, for sharing. Okay. So you've always known that we had a dysfunctional family. Uh, and, you know, we all have some dysfunction in our family. You know, you may need to introduce yourself publicly to your daughter at some point, shake hands and go, you know, hi, Emily, nice to meet you. Or go to your closet and clean out the garbage that your wife put in there to teach you to be a cleaner person. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, every family gets curveballs, and we shouldn't be surprised by them. It's just a part of living life, raising kids, helping them come to faith. We're raising human beings who need to choose for themselves to follow Jesus. Um, uh, now, some of you have curveballs right now that are far more serious than anything we listed on the video, and I'm aware of that. 
That was kind of a fun video with some fun curveballs. And I know that some of you had a tough, tough, tougher place. And uh, there's still curveballs. And our families had, you know, obviously know, some tough curveballs. But uh, um, it's okay. It's a part of the journey that we're on in a broken world. Uh, now, here's another thing I think you need to figure out, is that your kids' faith will be different from yours. This shouldn't be news to you, but it is. Some of you have parents in traditional churches this morning, and you're here in a gym listening to a rock band. <laughs> your faith is different than your parents. It is. And your children's faith is going to be somewhat different than yours. And what you need to do is affirm that. As long as they follow Jesus, they're going to have different priorities, different ways of looking at things. And that's okay. Don't get in battles about these small things. I see this even in some of the families in our churches. Like, I need my kids to believe exactly this. No. Jesus died on a cross. He, he loves them. He's going to capture their hearts. And uh, your, their faith is going to be different than yours. Number three, fear cannot be a primary motivator. One day I was invited to an administrator's office here in the Cedar Falls Schools. And he went over to his file cabinet, he pulled out a big wide folder, and he put it on his desk, and he said, Dave, why are Christian parents so afraid? Uh, they, were in the, I, they were changing some of the sex ed classes, they were making a few adjustments, this is years ago. And he said, Dave, uh, he was a follower of Christ, I was a follower of Christ, and he said, why? And the only answer I had was, they love their kids so deeply that fear becomes a part of it. But we need to realize fear is not a great motivator. It doesn't help us that much. Um, number three, non-anxious presence is important in helping our children encounter and follow Jesus. Non-anxious presence. If God is so big, like we sing about, and when this teaching's over, we're going to sing a song about uh, fear can't own us. If that's true, we need to like live it out in a non-anxious presence and just go, God... We're going to trust you with our kids who you love so deeply. Number five, internal faith is more important than external behavior. So important. So important. Uh, we're asking God to win their hearts, win how they believe inside, far more important than outwardly do they. You know, whatever outward thing is important. And then the last thing I want to say is we need to surrender our children to Jesus by name often, and whisper a little truth to ourselves. So it would work like this. Dear God, again this morning, I surrender to you, Jeremy, who has cancer. But God, then I would whisper a little truth to myself. You love him more than I do. You have total control over his disease. You, whatever it is, right? And what I find is that changes me. And so I'm just going to encourage you, when you get filled with angst or anger with your kids, one of the things that's helped me so much is just to like put my hands out and go, God, surrender Sarah to you. Surrender Caden to you. Surrender Steve to you. And then each time you do that, whisper a little truth that's true in your heart, like, you can handle it. You're big and awesome. You're concerned about 
her eternity. Just, uh, I've found this to be the most helpful thing to do as a parent. So I'm going to close giving us just a moment before we uh, sing a final song uh, to just do that right in our seats. Just uh, lead us and just uh, right here, right now, surrender a kid or two or a neighbor kid or a grandchild to Jesus. Just say, God, I surrender. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us have confidence in you. Help us believe what we sing on Sundays that you're a great and awesome God. And with that in mind, dear God, we surrender our kids to you by name. You know, I surrender. And Father, those of us who have grandkids, we surrender those grandkids by name. Because you love them deeper and in a more true and full way than we ever could as parents and grandparents. In Jesus' name, amen.